Good morning. It is a big, huge privilege to kick off Advent. If you know me, you know that I love Christmas, crazy about Christmas. Matter of fact, can we see the pic from Instagram? So hijacked is my daughter Jacqueline. Notice her words. It's not even September. So I put one stocking up when school starts because school equals football season, which equals fall, which equals Thanksgiving, which equals Christmas, right? I mean, so school equals Christmas. Uh, I put one up and I see how long it's up before anyone notices. You see my son uh, is playing video games or something oblivious to to the Lord's work right there. So I love Christmas because there's so much to celebrate in our sweet baby Jesus coming to this earth with salvation. So hope, this week I get to kick off hope. And hope, I want to read a quick definition. So hope as related to Jesus is not wishful thinking. As related to Jesus, we have an assured expectation of God's active presence to work in all of our circumstances for his good kingdom purposes. And I think that there are people here today, this morning, who don't, or they're, they're on the fence about hope in Jesus and they want to put their hope in Jesus. And I want to say he wants you to put your hope in him and he wants you to have the assured expectation of his active presence in your life for all of the things that are hard and true to come into the good place of his kingdom. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I ask for your anointing on me and for the hearts of your people. I pray that I would say nothing less and nothing more except what you have. In Jesus' name, amen. We get to sit in a passage today that was written 2,700 years ago. 700 years before Jesus was born, there was a prophecy about him. 700 years before Jesus was born. And 2,700 years later, we still put our hope in the passage of this Jesus. Can we read it? We're going to read it together. Isaiah 9, 6, and 7. This is, before we read, this is part of a hymn, and this hymn is written while enemies surround God's people. And so, when you read this hymn, this hymn does not deny that there are hard things in life. It doesn't deny a truth of pain and suffering and trauma and difficulties. But those things are temporal. What this hymn shows us is a greater truth that outlasts all of those things in a truth of Jesus. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom, to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. 
So I want to start, I'm going to jump into the meat of the four names that we all love about this passage, and I want to start with Wonderful Counselor. And actually before, there's the part of that passage that says, to us, a son is given to us, a child is born. I want you to see that this is a gift to us. This is not just um, a prophecy that is about Jesus. It's about Jesus for us. This is about Jesus for you. And if you don't know him or, um, and, or you're a place where you want to know him, he wants to give himself to you in these ways. So as we, as we read this, as we look into this passage deeper, know that Jesus wants to give himself to you in these ways. So the first piece, the wonderful counselor, that word wonderful is supernatural. It's like a supernatural insight that when you have it, it's like the aha moment that brings you into his kingdom. He wants to give, the, give us, Jesus wants to give us this wonderful counsel, not just when we're in the deep well, meaning, or the deep trench. Although he wants to be our wonderful counselor when we are in the deep trench. He wants to be our wonderful counselor all the time. He wants to be our wonderful counselor from the beginning. My daughter Jacqueline, one time when she was little, she came to me and she said, Mom, is it okay if I put your lipstick on? And I said, well, Jacqueline, what if I said no? I would feel very disappointed. <laughs> I said, what? So then what would you do? I would ask again, mom, can I put your lipstick on? Which is funny that I even have lipstick, which is the irony. Um, <laughs> those who know me. And I said, yeah, Jacqueline, you can, put your lip you can put my lipstick on. And she took her hand off her mouth and went, with the Lord I think we forget to come to him at the beginning to ask for his resources we go to him after we've already done the thing that makes us feel good and ask for his blessing and he wants us to come to him at the very beginning so this an acronym I, I teach our children. Um, I'm the children's pastor here at Our Lords. And I teach them this an acronym, and it's a way to invite the wonderful counselor, the supernatural presence of God into every situation. And I want to teach you, because I've got parents who are coming to me, and they're saying to me, we're doing this at home as a family, and it's making a difference. So it's super simple. And it's this an acronym, ISLA. I'm sorry that I couldn't find an English word. That's a Spanish word for island. So just go with it. Okay, so I invite God be with me. It's a simple prayer. God be with me. Before I prepared for this sermon, aren't you glad that I invited the Lord into the presence of the prep and not just for the delivery? God, be with me. The second is show me. God, show me. Whatever it is you need him to show you. Big, little, trench, life, small, all the things. Invite the Lord in. 
And then listen. When I say listen, it's not weird. Just give him space and time to influence your mind and your thoughts. And yes, sometimes he speaks to us in dreams in big ways. And sometimes it's a still small voice. And sometimes he just guides you and you don't even know it. And he's doing it because you invited him into the process. And then taking action after you have invited him in. That's the way the wonderful counselor can be our wonderful counselor in all things, including our kiddos. Okay, next one. Wonderful counselor, which leads us to mighty God. That particular word is strength and bravery. I love it. Uh, we as believers, are, um, and we as believers, we as, not, we as people need the Lord's strength. And he wants to give you his strength through the person of Jesus Christ. And all of my strengths are some things that I'm good at, but those, those things that I am good at um, are, are weaknesses in comparison to the Lord. So what I'm asking you is to invite his strength into all of the places, to all of the things. And you will need his strength to get through life and to get through the hard things. This word mighty God it insinuates, it implies our humanity and our weakness. But it also implies the availability of his strength and his bravery. And he wants to be your strength and your bravery and the hardships and the pain and the suffering. But he also wants to be your mighty God in the things of the kingdom. I had a conversation last week with someone um, and he, he was sharing how he was getting burned out trying to love people. And he just, he, he, he is um, just beginning to learn of, of the strength because of Jesus. And how refreshing it is to think to love well with the sustainability of the love of Christ through him. My mama used to say, people would come to her a lot. She was, a, she was just a neat person. And people would come to her a lot. And, I would say, and she would hear hard things, hard things. How do you do it, mama? How do you do that? And she says, well, I know who to give it to. People would share with her, and she would turn and give it to Jesus. Let Jesus do your heavy lifting in the good things and the hard things. He is a hope that you can rely on to be present in your mix, midst to work whatever it is you're going through for his good. Next one. I'm flying through these like a... Okay. Everlasting Father. This was my favorite one when I was preparing. And I felt the Lord, the Holy Spirit, the strongest when I was in this piece. So Everlasting Father is... Isn't it, isn't it fun to see Jesus as the everlasting Father, where we see the unity of we see the unity of the Father and the Son? But so we have His identity, but it implies our identity, our identity as everlasting children. We are sons and daughters of the King, built for eternity. And our enemy comes in, and he wants to make your identity. Something hard that you've been through. He tries, to, he tries to mark you in a way that you feel like your identity is the hard thing. It could be a diagnosis. It could be trauma. It could be abandonment. It could be being orphaned. He, he swings hard. 
And the harder the swing, the, the bigger the mark, and the more we think that is who we are. But those things are temporal. They're real, but they are temporal. There is a greater truth, which is Jesus. And your identity in him is for eternity. And he sees his vision is beyond the temporal. His vision is for forever. He will redeem all of the things. All of the things. You can have an an assured expectation that Jesus is working in your midst to work those things for the good and his purposes and his good kingdom purposes. When I, uh, when I was 28, I was diagnosed with cancer, and I remember after I left the office, I felt like I had a big, giant, scarlet C on my chest. It's such a weird, nobody knew, nobody, I still looked healthy, I still was really, actually, probably pretty healthy, but I, I, I was, he had, he had hit me hard, and it was starting to become an identity. I want to tell a story, and it's kind of funny, but I need my children to plug their ears. So when I was in college, I was a young college student. I I started college young. So all of my other friends turned 21 before me. So I had an ID that was not me. It was one of my sisters. If you've seen me and my sisters, I don't look... I'm like the oddball. I'm pretty sure I was adopted and they didn't tell me. So I don't look anything like her. Nothing. It worked frequently, but there was one time I handed it to the guy to get into the place. And he looks at it and he looks at me and he says, this is not you. (laughs) I was like, I used to have dark hair. Oh yeah, I had dark hair and everything. And she's Anyway, and uh, he said, yeah, this is not you. He said, you need to take this, give it back to whoever it is, and you better be glad that I don't call the police on you. Right? Yes, sir. Right? When it comes to God's kingdom, we're carrying around a fake ID, and we want to get into things of the kingdom. But instead instead of walking around with who we are, we're walking around with an imposter, and the imposter's from the enemy. It's him who says you are your pain. It's him who says you are your suffering. It's him who says you are your trauma, and you are not. You are the Lord's, and you are made for eternity. You are sons and daughters of the King, built for eternity. Next, Prince of Peace. That word prince means in charge of. It means um, like the person who is in charge of the distribution of something. So like the the executor of of an estate, right? Jesus is in charge of the distribution of keeping and distributing the peace to the people, right? So I, I hear the Lord asking me the question, Esther, who is the executor of your peace? And honestly... Sometimes it is my circumstances because I let my circumstances decide if I'm going to have peace or not. And the Lord, 
the Lord wants me to have such an assurance of his presence. An act of a present, his active presence that is working for my good. And that doesn't negate, again, please hear this, that doesn't negate the suffering or that these things are hard. I'm a, I'm a, I've got childhood trauma, uh, diagnoses, uh, chronic illness history, lots of things. Those things are, are, are not my identity, and the Lord wants me, even in those things, to keep my eye on the greater truth that is our Jesus, and know his presence, and have peace. In the storm, when there was a, there was a storm in a ship in one of the New Testament stories, and Jesus was with his disciples, and Jesus, there was a storm, and Jesus was asleep, why was he asleep? Because the storm was not the executor of his peace. So the Lord wants to be the executor of your peace. And if he's not, I say, just go to him. Cry out. I, 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 need, I need hope. I need an assured expectation. I want you to be the executor of my peace. There was, in the middle of the cancer diagnosis, I was also processing childhood trauma at the same time. I was in grad school, and I, I was, I, anxiety's not really my thing, um, but I was starting to have some anxiety issues. I had some hypervigilance that was going on, and, um, and it was hard. And I had two little kids. And I remember being in the room, in my bedroom, and, and just telling God, I need your peace. And his presence washed over me in a way that doesn't make sense. I still had more hard things to walk through. The diagnosis was still there. The storm was still around me. But Jesus was the executor of my peace. The Lord wants to be the executor of your peace. So if we could go back to the passage, I'm going to wrap up. Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. These things that he is offering to us as wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace, these are things of his kingdom. His kingdom is increasing and will to the very end. I feel like I need, uh, when we have... Prophets and intercessors in the midst that can, when you see the truth about where we are not, that can be discouraging. I, I, want, to, I want to encourage you that we, his kingdom is increasing. It, he promises it's so. I do think the darkness is getting darker, but the light is getting lighter, and it is increasing. It says, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. Zeal is talking about, it's actually a jealousy of the Lord, but it's a jealousy, it's a, it, it's, it's a thing where he doesn't want competition, but not for his sake, but for your sake. For your sake, he will, for our sake, he will accomplish this thing. I want to close in a prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for the Christmas season. I thank you for Jesus. I thank you for coming to us 
as mighty God, wonderful counselor, everlasting father, and prince of peace. And I ask that each of those things you would help us to lean into more. Give us a greater understanding of each of these gifts in the person of Jesus. And those of us here that don't know Jesus and want Jesus, I ask that you would right now give them an assured hope and cause them to reach out to you. And that you would meet them in their place. Come Holy Spirit. I ask for an an assured expectation of your active presence in our midst. In Jesus' name, amen.